Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 162 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I'm Anthony. And we are glad, happy, tired, ready, all of the good things to be back and talk uh, about the Bible and drink beer. Yeah? Yeah. So we're going to do that tonight. It's what we're going to do. Before we do that, though, how's your week been, man? It's been good. Just staying busy. Uh, my my youngest son had his allergy allergen test the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I talked about that or not, but uh, came back that he's allergic to peanuts, which we already knew, and pecans. So, oh, pecan, dude, pecans. Yeah. Sad day. I know, but uh, the dairy didn't show up, and seafood didn't show up, and well, those were <laughs> those are the two things that we were like, oh gosh, yeah. If he's allergic to seafood. <laughs> It's going to be a rough life. Um, True that. <laughs> no, but he's good. Uh, family's good. We're staying busy. Works, you know, crazy as a, as always. Yeah, rolling yep. along and uh, just living the dream. Somebody's nice. dream. Living living somebody's dream. <laughs> Is that like, all good, are man. we in the Matrix? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, everything's good. Yeah, family's good. Family's healthy. Um, awesome. And uh, we're, we're hanging in there. How, how about y'all? Man, we can't complain about it. It's uh, we man. I I tell you what, the the early spring. I'm hating the pollen, but I'm loving the uh, warm weather. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been in the 70s and like almost 80s here for almost two weeks now. Yeah, and I know at some point it's going to be jerked out from under me like a rug, and it's going to be like 30 degrees for a week or two, and I'm going to get mad. But I'm going to enjoy it while I can because it's still nice outside, and I'm just enjoying the weather. I'll and, say this that that pollen this week uh messed me up. Ooh, it's like or maybe it's last exceptionally week. bad this year. It's just bad. Yeah. Just, just bad all around. My red truck was yellow the other day. <laughs> so was my black truck. So <laughs> oh it, yeah, oh well, pollen shows bad on black trucks. It does. Like it real really bad. <laughs> and I park right under a tree and everything. Oh, so it's Thankfully, it rained today, and it's supposed to rain tomorrow. So that'll hopefully keep the keep the pollen off for a couple of days, anyway, for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, well, we are going to drink some beer tonight, and uh, somehow both of us ended up with uh, foreign beers tonight. So, why don't you tell us what you're going to be drinking? Sure. Okay. So, all the way from Lithuania, I am drinking from Bergkopf. I hope I'm saying that right, but I'm probably not. Bergkopf beer. Um, I'm drinking a pineapple Belgian style ale. Uh, I believe it comes in at five and a half. Yeah, five and a half percent ABV. Um, and the can, like normally, the cans have like a cool little story or you know a play on words or something. Here's what this can says. Store at 2 to 20 degrees Celsius. Some <laughs> sediments may settle at the bottom, and it's a natural characteristic brewed and canned in Lithuania. <laughs> <laughs> they get down to business down over there in Lithuania. They, really, they don't mess around. They really do. <laughs> um, it's imported um, imported into Miami from Lithuania. So Nice. Um, Bergkopf. We're, we're going to give you a try. I love pineapple. Pineapple is, is mm. I feel, is an underrated. We actually had pineapple with dinner tonight. Um, nice. it's an underrated fruit, I think. So, ooh, it is pineapple Belgian style ale from Bergkopf. Bergkopf, what you drinking tonight? I am going to be drinking from the Saint Bernardus uh, Brewery in uh, Belgium. I'm drinking the Pater Six, and this is a 
double, uh, double. I don't know if you say it double or double. I'm not sure the correct Belgian pronunciation, but it's a Belgian style beer and it's called a double. And uh, these are so. I read a little bit, actually did a little bit of homework this time to understand what, what it is that we're drinking. Best I can tell, like a double is essentially the same as a porter, like an American porter. Okay. They're brewed a little bit darker. They have medium hops. Um, and you can do, so they have, because I've seen these and I've never really understood. So they have a triple, they have a quad and they have a double or a, I don't know. Um, and so they're all kind of in the same family. And even this brewery, like they have three of the same one. One's called a six, one's called an eight, and one's called a 12. And it's, I mm. mean, the 12 is a quad, the eight is a triple, and the six is a double. Um, and so I was like, oh, this is, you know, this will be pretty cool. But the funny part is about this beer is I thought it was going to be a Trappist beer, which is beers mm. that are brewed by monks in a very specific style. They're usually from Belgium. Uh, or somewhere in the in the eastern side of Europe, um, but it's a very specific way that beer is brewed, and it, and it's you know and it's brewed by Trappist monks, and and I was hoping that's what it was going to be, and then I got home and realized I got fooled. It was not that. <laughs> so, but the, the would, picture has a little monk guy on the front of it. That's why I thought it was. I would like to point out. Well, one, I mean, unless the beer was ridiculously expensive, it's like, pretty expensive. No, the beer you got was expensive. Yeah, four of them was twenty dollars. Oh well, I think the monk beer. I think we looked into it. Like one bottle of it was like fifty bucks or something like. Yeah, that. like I think we looked into it at some point. Um, I will say this: one hundred and sixty-two episodes in, that is the most homework either of us have done for the <laughs> beer part of the <laughs> of the podcast. Now, don't get fooled. I mean, I only did like seven minutes of homework, but. <laughs> Like I just said, that's way more than we usually do. It's usually like as we're recording. Oh, what are we? Where are we? What, doing? what are we talking about? Yeah. So, or I've got I've got a buddy of mine who's texting me as as he's listening to it back on Fridays. He's texting me. He's like, "Are you serious? You didn't know that? That's this." And he goes into this whole long diatribe about beer. And I'm like, "See, that's why I keep you around." <laughs> Is that our friend who makes beer? No. It, well, he probably uh, could too. It's Market, my friend uh, Marcus. Oh, okay. Um, he's he's brought me some beer before too, but. But he's a he's a food junkie and he studies all of that the way food interacts with each other gotcha. and like so he's he's one of those guys. So you've got a, a what Belgian? It's it's a Belgian. It's just a Belgian double is all it really is. Okay. So nothing. It's nothing really crazy, but I, I do want to try it because it does look good. I mean, it looks like a. It's going to be similar to a porter, mm-hmm. is what it's going to end up being. Well, there's only one way to find out what we've got. And that's to crack these bad boys open. Well, let's do it. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crack. Oh, my. Instant <laughs> Got all the pineapple. Pi- instant pineapple. Smell. Nice. So I think I may have just figured something out. What's that? Um. So, you know, the Monster Energy drinks. Right, you know, monster. Yeah. I think the white one. Yep, I do. The, the one that I like, maybe pineapple flavored, because nice. that is what this smells like. You know what I just figured out? This has a Holy lot of carbonation. <laughs> His glass is two thirds foam. <laughs> Mine just looks like pineapple juice. Like it is super pale. There's yeah, no does. foam at all. That looks like a sour, like, like it might be a sour. It's well, it's Belgian style. It's a Belgian style ale, is what the can says. Yeah. But if it, I mean, I was, I intentionally did not get, I, there was a like three or four sours I thought looked really good, but I have done a lot of sours in the last couple of months. <laughs> so I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to branch out, trying to widen the horizons, widen bit, the man. horizons. Oh man, you know the one thing we will not be widening our horizons on? IPAs. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry for those of you who like IPAs. There's actually there's actually been a couple of folks send us messages talking about, man, I wish you guys liked IPAs. I'm like, I don't. No. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel I've that tried. way. I'll pray for you. I've tried and <laughs> it's I don't know, man. I just it's gross to me. Mm-hmm. 
if you legitly like IPAs, like legitimately enjoy them, send us the reasons why. Yes. I want to know what it is. Do I mean, you we're like not, we're not going to change our minds. I mean, we're not going to change our mind. We're, we're, we're not ever going to do IPAs. I think when was no. the last IPA we did? Was that back? There, there was when the did... one that I almost did because I didn't realize I bought an IPA. Mm. And I went and bought something else. Because did we did we ban them for the after the big box bash? Yeah, it was sometime right in there. Okay, that we banned them Gosh. because we had to do an IPA, mm-hmm. and so we did the Voodoo Ranger and we did the the uh, Founders All Day IPA. Mm-hmm. Both of those yep. made the list, and so we had to do them, and we knew they were going to yeah, lose. That that's probably where we were like, you know what, we're just going to make a decision now to, <laughs> to cut it. All right. Did your uh, did your beer ever? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm, We're good. I'm there. Okay. Well, let's uh, so, let's turn up. Bottoms up, man. Got a good pineapple flavor over there. Mm-hmm. You know the bad part about this thing coming from uh, Belgium is the bottle is only eleven point two ounces. They they shaft you that last point eight ounces. Mine's a pint. Is one pint and then 0.9 ounces. So I don't know what that means. 16 ounces. That's a pint. No, but it's but it's 16, so it's 16.9 ounces. Mm. So it's like a bottle of water. That's what water is. 16.9 ounces. Well, in Europe, I think alcohol is like their water. Okay. Um, <laughs> where are you at? Oh, well, I'm in my office. Uh, no, uh, this is really good. Um, The pineapple flavor is really, really good. It's really strong. Um, I don't feel like I'm drinking beer, though. It almost feels like juice, like <laughs> pineapple juice. <laughs> so it actually is pineapple juice. I just somehow fermented it a little bit, which isn't a bad like I'm not. It's not bad. I'm not saying it's like, a, oh, just it's not any good. Um, like the flavor is really, really good. It's really light. Mm-hmm. Um a little bit of like a pineapple tart flavor almost. Um, I don't, know. I, I don't think I can give it five though. I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to rein in giving fives out all willy nilly, <laughs> but I am going to give this four and a half Luthers because it is that good. It, four it's, and it's, half. it's four and a half Luthers out of five. Okay. Okay. Very well, good. That's good. It, it only comes in a pack of four. Which is a little frustrating. And see, a lot and of the, European beers are that way, though. They are, and I'm really kind of frustrated because on the package it had this like cool picture of a resealable pop top mm-hmm. uh, thing that apparently they've got, I guess, in Europe. And I get mine home and open it up, and it's just a regular can, so I, it, you can't reseal it. <laughs> yeah. For Who'd that want to reason, reseal a beer anyway. <laughs> for, well, in case you're not going to drink it all, I mean, I poured it out, so it doesn't matter. But for that reason alone, because it didn't have the cool, cool cap, it's getting four and a half out of five liters. Listen here, Burkoff. That's hey, false Burkoff, advertising in America. <laughs> that was really good. I'm I'm very surprised. I kind of wish I could find some more of their. This is the only Burkoff beer in the store that I went to, and I'm glad nice. I got it because it was, it was go. pretty good. So pineapple pretty coming good. in hot. Coming in hot with the pineapple. How's so, your Bernardus? The Bernardus Pater 6. Um, it's good. This is a it almost feels like a just kind of like a classic porter, but it's I I, I feel like everything about it is just kind of elevated a little bit. Like it's got a little bit better flavor, a little bit better texture. It's almost like they know how to brew beer a little bit better in Belgium than they do here. Which, to be fair, they they probably do. (laughs) They've been doing it for a long time. This is true. And so, I mean, it just feels a little bit better. Just it Mm -hmm. all, you know, it's like the quality of it just kind of feels a little bit better. Um, I don't know that, like, knowing that I paid $20 for four of them, I'm kind of like, it's good, but yeah, it's not that good. (laughs) It's not $5 a bottle good. It's not $5 a bottle good. Five dollars um, a bottle, smaller than a regular beer. Good. Yes. <laughs> so, but the flavor is really good. The texture is really good. 
the consistency of the like um one of the things that I, I saw about a double was it's it's supposed to have it or it can have like almost overtones of fruit because of the way mm. the yeast um es- I think it's called esters or easters in the in the beer as they're as they're brewing. Um and so it's definitely not hoppy. Um it's not real bitter, which to me is a good thing because I don't like bitter beers and I don't like hoppy beers that much, hence the IPA thing. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's a, this is a really good, almost like a really good dessert beer. Um, and so I'll, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it four and a half Luthers. Okay. Just, just on the actual flavor. It's not something that I would buy again, more than likely because it is expensive. But if I were going to like go out on something and, and just pick up something really nice one time, or, you know, how you go to a really nice dinner every once in a while. Mm-hmm. It might be something I would consider to do to do then, but it does come in at six point seven percent ABV, so it's a little bit stronger than than most beers. Uh, so that's good. I mean, at least you're getting getting that. Mm-hmm. But um, if I had to choose between an expensive like American brewed beer and ex- and this beer, I'd probably pick this one. Hmm. So if you made me choose, since we're talking about expensive beer. But yeah, I'll give it four and a half Luthers because it's definitely got the good flavor um, and and just the the quality of the beer is very, very well. So I'm not upset about having three more to drink over the next couple of days. All right. So there, there we go. have it. St. Bernardus and Bergkopf both getting four and a half out of five Luthers from Anthony and myself tonight. Um, there's not really a whole lot to say other than that. That's a that's a great, uh, great showing. Yeah, it both is. New, both new breweries to the podcast, which we've been on kind of a, a roll with those for the last few weeks. Yes, we have. Eastern Eastern European breweries coming in hot and strong and fierce. Now I want to go to Eastern Europe. Dude, I do. I think a, a trip through like Germany and all of that just to see breweries and stuff like that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we should do a beers and Bible brewery bouncing. Now. Nah. <laughs> we gotta have all the, all the all the alliteration all the bees <laughs> if you want to uh if you want to donate to the pearson bible <laughs> brewery bounce palooza i don't know what to call Bounce-a-palo- it everything has to be palooza for us <laughs> gosh we'll tell you where Box you can beer bash palooza <laughs> anyway oh that's uh, enough on that rabbit trail so tonight we're going to talk about amos um amos is is overlooked a lot of times i feel like he's he's not Mm -hmm. talked about a lot so um but he's got a lot of of interesting stuff to talk about so stick around with us we're gonna take a short break and we will be right back Welcome back. Welcome back. We are diving into the book of Amos tonight. Amos the prophet or not the prophet? Tis the question. Was he or was he not? Because at one point he actually says, I'm not a prophet. We're going to talk about that later. But who was Amos? He was a farmer. I mean, he was a herdsman. He actually says it. uh, Verse one. We're going to talk about that, too. Um, From the area of Tekoa. And yes, if you're from Georgia, you're familiar with the word Tacoa. Uh, spelled a little bit differently, but that's what it sounds like. Um, it's a little bit south of Bethlehem. And Amos was a contemporary of Hosea. So that puts him there in the time frame of about Jeroboam II, um, King Uzziah, those kind of things. It's about 760-ish in the 700s, mid-700s-ish B.C., um, and so he's a contemporary of Hosea, <clears throat> and he gets this call and has these visions and does his prophecy thing during a very successful time. Now, it was kind of rare for Israel to have successful times, and so um, a lot of times they thought they were doing right because of the way that they were successful. We're going to touch on that later. 
Um, but they had great economic power. They had great political power during this time. <clears throat> and in the midst of all of this prosperity, God is going to announce their doom. He's going to announce uh, their judgment because they have failed to keep covenant with him. And so because of all of that, you have kind of these four main emphasis for the book of Amos. Number one, it's the, again, the repeated theme of God being over all the nations and also being over all of creation. You know, that's, that's, they keep hammering down at this and there's a reason because Israel has to be reminded because Israel keeps forgetting because Israel's like we are. There you Dumb. go. Dumb. <laughs> I'm trying to be nicer this week, man. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, trying. But, I'm trying. I mean, but how many, pro- how many prophets have we been in? Uh, this no. is four, four or five. And Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. This is seven. Amos. Six or seven. We've been in six or seven prophets. Yes. Every single week so far, it's been, hey, don't do this stuff. Israel does this stuff. And then they're, they're like surprised when there's <laughs> consequences for their actions. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, and my, then I'm, it's like my kids, man. I know. It's like it's, it's like with my my four year old son right now. It's like, hey, don't do that thing. And then when he does the thing, I'm like, okay, we're gonna have to, you know, you gotta go sit in timeout. Meltdown. And he cries for the whole time he's <laughs> yeah. over there and doesn't learn a thing. <laughs> Same I'm glad thing. I'm not it's, the only parent that, that goes through that. <laughs> gosh. Israel, get your crap together, please. <laughs> please. Newsflash, they don't. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they're not going to. That's why Jesus had to come. <laughs> That's why Jesus had to come. That's right. Um, so uh, God's got over all the nations, and God is going to bring ruin because of their covenant disloyalty again. Um, the interesting kind of nugget that's in Amos, and I guess it's kind of his his little, I guess if you could say it's his shtick, um, is that God requires mercy and justice for the poor. Um, and, and he's, he's very particular on this because I mean, again, put this in the context of Israel having great wealth and mm-hmm. having great political power. That's two things that bring very much comfort to what somebody thinks they're doing as a reasoning for the rightness of what they're doing. Right. Okay. They, they look at the, they look at the success as a reward for their actions. That's right. And as we walk through this, you're going to see that that is not necessarily the case. So just kind of, I keep, I know I keep saying that over and over again, but just as we walk through this, a lot of this is going to come out. And so I don't want to set up too much of it right now. But um, the another key point here is that being a religious person in public is not to be seen as a substitute for being a jerk. Um, again, I'm trying to watch my language this week. I'm trying to do better so we don't have to bleep out and edit episodes again. <laughs> it's, it's happened been a, couple a couple weeks. Times. It's, it's been a couple weeks since you had to do that. It's okay. It has. So, so you know, but again, think about how many times that people, number one, they, they get a whole bunch of religious knowledge and then it just kind of puffs them up with this, like, I'm better than everyone and I know the answers to everything and you have to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And so many times it ends up leading to the destruction of that person. So yeah, don't be a jerk. You know, uh, that's what we're going to take home from, from Amos. Don't be a jerk. So that's kind of some orienting data that gets us set up for the book. And as we're going to walk through, we're going to see a lot of that play out, but let's get some advice for how we should read Amos. Sure. So as we read Amos, um, as we, as we look at the book, contextually it's set, um, in Second Kings fourteen and fifteen, mm-hmm. and Second Chronicles twenty six, the prophecies and oracles that Amos is gonna um, is gonna tell is is set in that during those two in those two uh, other sets of scripture. Yeah, um, Israel's blessings, using air quotes here, Israel's blessings, blessings are not related to the blessings of God. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I had to do my gasping voice right there. Kind of like we just <laughs> talked about, like just because good things are happening to you doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. That's exactly right. Um, 
much of what Israel's gained is linked to their sinful practices of their of syncretistic religion and social injustice. Um, again, Amos is going to uh, harp on. No, I say harp on sounds negative, but I don't mean it that way. But he's going to uh, bring up social justice and that kind of thing in several places. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of Israel's sinful practices and social injustice, uh, here comes here comes the doom. Um, <laughs> here comes uh, here comes the, uh, like that. I mean, God. That's why God is saying, "Hey, yeah, it, it's about to not be good for y'all." Um, mm-hmm. And then Amos Amos is going to reflect a Moses style. Um, he's going to be like a Moses style prophet by addressing both. Um, the highs of society and the lows. So he's not mm-hmm. just going to uh, address the elites. He's going to address everybody. Yeah. And no one's going to be immune from Amos's uh, words here. So that's right. That's all the advice we need. Let's start walking through Amos. Um, we're going to uh, get right into it here. Uh, the first two verses of chapter one are just an introduction. Um, so we see where Amos is coming from. Um, and then that his visions are set in context of the kings. So, you know, like mm-hmm. we just said, um, prophecies are set contextually in Second Kings and Second Chronicles. That's where that's come from. Yeah. He literally says it. So, <laughs> um, and then the rest of chapter one through chapter two, um, we're going to see judgment on the nations and Israel. There's going to be patterns in the section that come up again and again that describe the forms of treachery that Israel has committed. Um, and the, the phrasing is for three sins, blah, 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 even for four. Yeah. So um, Amos is going to say that repeatedly and pay close attention to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is where the beginning pronouncements of the coming doom start in this section here. So yeah. um, that kind of sets us up for the next three uh, chapters, which are the oracles, the, the, the oracles of Amos. So. Anthony, why don't you go ahead? Sure. So chapter three um, is the first oracle, um, and Amos is really going to bring out the failure to of Israel to keep the covenant. Um, <clears throat> a lot of this reads almost like a story, but you got to remember it's a prophecy. But, it, you know, he kind of flows through this. Here's what you've done. Here's what God's going to do. And here and here's the pronouncement. Like it's it's it almost reads like a little short story or something like that. But what happens is God just lays out the case and he says, I'm, I'm going to punish you for these reasons. Here's what you've done. And here's the announcement of judgment or doom on Israel. So that's that's really chapter three. And then chapter four is the second oracle. Um, and then you have here in the second oracle, the rejection of the divine warning. So again, remember the Deuteronomic cycle. God tells what Israel what they should do. Israel messes up. God pronounces judgment. Israel confesses, you know, we're, we're kind of keeping going on in that, that same cycle here. Um, the second Oracle is almost in a, in a mocking type of tone. It's, it's really funny. Um, if you read, and I want to skip over here for just a second, because, um, right down here in verse four, I believe it is. Yeah. So enter Bethel and transgress. I mean, he said, enter and transgress. That's that's bad, in case you didn't know that. Um, in, Gilgal, in Gilgal, multiply transgression. Bring your every sacrifice every morning. Bring your tithes every three days. Um, it's So what they were doing was these religious practices, but they were doing the religious practices for the wrong reasons. Mm. And so if you, if you frame, frame it up that way, and see it, it's, it almost reads like God is like, yeah, go ahead and do all your stuff. Do what you think is going to get you closer to me. Bring your sacrifices, bring your offerings. You're not doing it for the right reasons anyway. So go ahead and do it. You know, that's Mm -hmm. almost what it reads like as, as you read through this. And the reality is that God's going to, he's going to wreck Israel. It's coming. So you have to be ready for it because it's going to get here and you have to be, you have to know that it's coming. Okay. So that mm-hmm. puts us into chapter five, 
where this really kind of gets to the heart or the meat of the book. And this is their false religion and their injustice. So what they're doing is they're practicing their religion. Almost think of like the Pharisees in the New Testament. Okay. Mm. Those Mm -hmm. are the guys who practiced it out loud. And they were so uh, loud about how they always kept the rules and how they always did things right. And everything was about what they did and how they did it the right way. And if you don't do it like them, you're clearly not as good of a, a, of a Jew as they are. You're clearly not part of, you know, the elite crowd that they're in. And so you just need to be better like they are. And, and everything is kind of framed for the Pharisees like that. This is almost what we see in Israel right here is Israel thinks because of their success and because of their material wealth, that they're doing things the right way. And God is 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 on the verge of of wrecking all of this. And he's telling them that he's going to wreck all of this. And so mm-hmm. you have here in chapter five this chiastic structure that begins this this whole we're going to transition to the last part of the book, but like it sets up this whole doom and and invitation almost dichotomy. In, in some ways, um, because he's he's going to invite them to return, but he's telling them, you're not going to, and also, this is going to lead to your doom. You're, you're perverting justice. You're not acting the way that Scripture and the law has taught you to act. You're doing everything that you're doing for the wrong reason. Um, it's this, this is a false religion, and you're treating people the wrong way. Okay, so that's the first half of chapter five that sets up this false religion. So mm-hmm. take us through the next couple of chapters where he really dives into false security in your religion. Yeah, so the rest of chapter five is in uh, the false security in religion. Um, this is the first woe directly spe- directed specifically at Israel. Mm-hmm. So here Amos is calling out Israel and saying, look, y'all's religiosity, y'all's... Um, you know, doing all the right things, checking off the box mark, checking off all the boxes doesn't mean that y'all can just keep doing all these unjust practices Mm -hmm. and think that, oh, because we, because we do all the right things, again, air quotes, we do all the right things. We'll just cover up all the fact that we're doing all this other stuff. Yes. And this is, you know, Israel was so convinced that, because of their prosperity and because of their success and because of their wealth and because of all these things that they were doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And Amos has come in and said, no, 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 no. That's, that's not the case at all. Yeah. And obviously some stuff's about to happen. So um, that gets us into chapter six, uh, which is false security and material goods. Um, this is directed direct um, right at the leaders of Israel. Yeah. So it's not just Israel as a whole, but this is at the leaders of Israel. Um, they had put their hope and trust in Israel's military and economic success. Mm-hmm. Um, if it sounds like 21st century America, <laughs> it kind of sounds like 21st century America. Um, and in both of these assumptions that the leaders of Israel had um, leads to this amount announcement of judgment. Yeah. Um, the st- judgment's coming. Amos is trying his best to warn them and say, "You guys get right, or it's going, it's going to be bad." Yeah. Um, and we'll see what happens here as we go. So, so that's when chapter seven picks up, and and we have really this these uh, visions that Amos is having, and it's the first three rounds of judgment, if you will. Um, their visions of coming judgments, and basically they're setting up what is uh, inevitable. You know, this is like Thanos right here. I am inevitable. Wow. Um, destruction's coming, so you better be ready for it. Um, mm-hmm. The the interesting part about Chapter 7, at least the first half of it where we are here, is that the rage is going to turn towards the king, and then that's going to necessarily push to the the priest of the king. Okay. Mm. Um, this is this guy named Amaziah. So mm-hmm. Amaziah is, I mean, I for lack of a better comparison, I'm just gonna say Amaziah is the pastor. Okay. It, it's not a perfect analogy, but just just follow with me here. So when a church goes into massive failure, 
who do people look at first? They they look at the pastor, the guy mm-hmm. who is supposed to be in charge, the guy who is supposed to be um, maintaining what was happening within the church. He's the shepherd. Okay, so that's that's really the role. Now, uh, you know, I realize that that today a, a pastor would probably be more like a prophet or should be in some aspects. And so there, there is that division right here. And so that's why I'm saying it's not a perfect analogy, but you know, the, the King's priest would have been the guy who's allowing all of this stuff to work its way into the religious practices of what people are doing. And so Mm -hmm. because of this coming, Amos is like, Hey, this is coming. You guys get ready for it. Here it comes here. And, and he's having these visions and, and the people are like, Whoa, Whoa, hang on now. Whose fault is this? And and like good, you know, sinful people that we are, we try to blame somebody else. Clearly, it's right. not our fault. It's not something that we did. It's this guy over here. Right. You know, let's go after him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, is it partly Amaziah's fault? Absolutely. But is it also the people's fault for doing the stupid stuff? Absolutely. <laughs> you right. know, um, it's everybody's fault. Guess what? You're all a bunch of idiots. Um, so that those visions point us to this guy Amaziah and that's what the last part of chapter 7 talks mm-hmm. about so take us through the encounter with Amaziah so Amaziah is accusing Amos of not being a real prophet you you, t- you touched on this a little bit earlier Anthony mm-hmm. and I just want to read some of the some of the words that Amaziah says here and then Amos's response because I think that's so like telling where Amos's heart and his focus is yeah versus where Amaziah's is um, so Amaziah goes to, um, he I'll just read it because paraphrasing it would be difficult. Um, <laughs> Amaziah, the priest of Bethel sent, this is verse 10. Amaziah, the priest of Bethel sent word to Jeroboam, king of Israel saying, Amos has conspired against you right here in the house of Israel. The land cannot endure all his words for Amos has said this Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will certainly go into exile from his, from its homeland. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Go away, you seer, flee to the land of Judah, um, earn your living and give your prophecies there, but don't ever prophesy or prophesy at Bethel again, for it is the king's sanctuary and a royal temple. So Amos answered Amaziah, I was not a prophet or the son of a prophet. Rather, I was a herdsman and I took care of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people, Israel. So Amaziah has basically said, Amos is coming in here and going to wreck our way of life. He needs mm-hmm. to be dealt. He needs to be you know taken care of. Amaziah goes to Amos, get out of here. And Amos yeah. says, hold on. I was just doing my job. <laughs> I was just, I was just a herdsman. I was just tending to the sycamores and you Amaziah were the one that was not doing your job. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's just, you're, you're exactly right. Like, when it's obviously someone's fault, they don't want to take the blame and they'll do anything they can dependent on somebody mm-hmm. else. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it's it's really interesting here, too, that what happens is, number one, Amaziah is technically correct. Amos is not a prophet in the tradition that Israel is used to getting their prophets. Mm-hmm. And at the exact same time, Amos says, you know what? You're exactly right. I'm not a prophet in the tradition that you're used to getting. He says, I'm not a prophet, and my father was not a prophet. Right. And so a lot of times it was it was a family, it was a heretical thing. But how many times does God use somebody out of the norm, somebody that you're not expecting, like 12 disciples that are tax collectors mm-hmm. and fishermen and, you know, they, they're all these disreputable people, but God says, no, you come and you follow me, and and their lives are changed. How many times in Scripture does God do things like that? Right. And I think that's exactly what's happening here with Amos is Amos is not supposed to be. He's not hereditarily a prophet. He's not, you know, he's not trained like a prophet, but you know what? He was willing and mm-hmm. and he said, I want to do what honors God. God said, yeah. go prophesy. Amos was like, word, let's go. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. It, I'll do exactly what yeah. you're telling me, God. 
And it's kind of like Amos didn't even care if it rocked the boat because it was obviously going to rock the boat because Israel was enjoying, (laughs) you know, prosperity and success for the first time Mm -hmm. in who in, you know, the the first time we've covered in several weeks that Israel's doing good in any (laughs) way, shape or form. (laughs) Yeah. And Amos is Amos is walking in there like, hey, uh, I know you all think it's good to hear, but uh, some it's, it's about to not be so good. Because, yeah. because of what y'all are doing. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's sometimes the people who will make the biggest changes are the ones who are willing to say the things that need to be said and don't really care about what other people think about what they're saying. Yes. Yes. That felt, Those like, the- a round, that, that felt like a kind of a roundabout way to say, like, I don't know. It doesn't matter what other people think. Just if God has given you a word, just say it. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you believe that God has, has put into your spirit, you know, whatever it is, number one, verify that it's, it can be supported through scripture. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number one. And if, if it can be supported through scripture, then Guess what? Don't be afraid to proclaim it. Right. Despite what people are going to say about you, despite what people are going to say against you. Because I mean, so many times you hear about these people who do these things and 50, 70, 100 years later, we read about them and how great they were and we think, "Oh, it was, you know, it was ma- it was awesome." But, you know, I think about guys like Charles Spurgeon. He he's called the prince of preachers now, and yes, he had a golden tongue and he could you know, he had oration skills that that rivaled no one and or that no one could rival. And in all of that, he suffered through severe depression. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys like this are going to have these these things that are that are quirky about them or that they struggle with, because it lets you know that the words of Paul are even that much more true when he says, in my weakness, he is made strong. And, and so, you know, it's, that's almost what Amos reminds me of because Amos is like, Hey man, I'm a nobody. I'm a herdsman. I'm a shepherd. You know, I go out and I take care of animals in the field all day long. Mm -hmm. Why would God use me? But he did, you know, why would God use David and make David into one of the greatest houses that Israel's ever known? Why would God bring the Messiah of the, of the world the savior of the world from a stable behind an inn where animals feed. Because so many times we get focused on what the material thing is and how the success is defined according to numbers or baptisms or members of your church or how big your sanctuary is or how big your budget is. We define things like that. That's what Israel was doing right now. Mm -hmm. And they were accused of syncretism. They were accused of false religious practices. And so if I could put a challenge to the churches, is, is having money and having a large church wrong? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. But if having money and having a large church is what you're striving for, then yes, it's absolutely wrong. Right. If that's your goal, if your goal is to have a large church and to have a lots of money, then absolutely wrong. It's syncretism. It's exactly what Israel was doing now. They were trading their souls for material possessions and power. Yeah. And God destroyed them. And guess mm-hmm. what? If that's what you're doing now, God's going to destroy you. Yeah. So that I mean, that really is what the eight and nine, the kind of the last couple of chapters spell out. Doom is coming. And if you're a part of this, you're going to get wrapped up in it. So get ready. Mm-hmm. You know, the details are laid out and Israel is basically seen as no different than than her pagan neighbors. And look at the charges being leveled against the church right now. There's a lot of ways in which we don't even look different from our pagan neighbors. Mm-hmm. And we're being charged with hypocrisy. And in some cases, the charge of hypocrisy is absolutely right. 
because we're acting like the world. Yeah. In a lot of areas. Yeah. And so, you know, that gets us to to the the really the last kind of oracles and visions of Amos, but just like every other prophet it doesn't end there. Tell us where it ends. So, Amos, you know, with all this doom and gloom and Israel is no different than their than her neighbors that are not God's people that have never lived like they were God's people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this hope for a future. Um, through all the judgment, God is going to bring a future hope through a, mess- a messianic age. And that's yeah. pointing to Jesus. That's pointing to his coming. And it's so it's so telling of the character of God to be so um like so pointed and so like direct with the uh punishment, the judgment, here's what's you know, here's what you've done and here's the consequences for it. Mm-hmm. And he's also saying, here's what's coming and here's what is much better that's coming down the road. And it's not changed. Like what you're doing now is not changing the fact that there's still this hope and yeah. there's still a Messiah that's going to come and take care of all of this. Yeah. You know, we go through trials you know sometimes of our own making sometimes not we go through things that you know life gets you know crazy or we uh you know we're we're dealing with personal struggles or diagnosis or financial stuff or relationships or whatever but there's still a hope for a better future and our future mm-hmm. is always better than what we're going through right this second. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to say that when things are bad, like, yeah, my future is better than not, you know, my relationship with my kids being out of whack or Mm -hmm. my work being terrible or whatever. That's also like our future is also better than when things are good. Mm -hmm. Like, like Israel here is experiencing prosperity and wealth and, economic and military success that's all about to go away but also the future that god has for them is better than all that yeah and so you know god has a greater future for us than we could ever imagine that we could ever think or come up with or dream and remembering all that makes i think it makes the highs and lows not so high and low like it brings everything kind of back closer to the middle. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least for me, maybe it does. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe I don't know. But knowing that, like, okay, as good as it is now, it's not even close to where it's going going to be. Yeah. And as bad as it's now, as it could be now, it's only temporary. Yeah. So I don't know. That, that's yep. kind of how I think of that. Yep. And that's uh, that's it. You know, and and then all of that that hope ultimately should point us to Christ. Yeah. You know, that's, that's Amos pointing to hope means that we can point to hope and our hope is in Christ. Yeah. So, well, there's the book of Amos. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you learned a little bit. I know, I know I learned a little bit more about Mm -hmm. Amos this go around. So there's always more to be learned. So, yeah. Michael, will you pray for us? I certainly will. Let's, Let's do it. Do it. Uh, God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for um, this opportunity to get together and uh, talk through uh, your word, what you said in the book of Amos, God. And just thank you for this book and how it's a, a perfect picture of of how not to let our high times 
give us reasons to uh, think we don't need you or think that we can treat others poorly, God. Thank you for um, how your word sharpens us and how your word challenges us to um, rely solely on you every day. God, thank you that um, you put uh, the words into Amos to say that needed to be said, to be written down, um, to be recorded, um, so that we could read them thousands of years later and and take the truths that we need to hear uh, from them, God. Um, I pray that we don't let ourselves get caught up in the um, search or the hunt for prosperity or wealth or um, security or success, God. Um, I pray that our uh, strivings are only for you to be more like you, to, to reflect your character in how we interact with others, with how we um, handle ourselves. And God, I just pray that um, that we just fully trust you with every step, with every word we say, with every um, everything we do. So uh, God, thank you for um, just how you're continuing to grow us. Um, Anthony and I are learning new things every week. And God, we just thank you for that. And uh, God, we pray that others are learning as well. Um, pray that you are with us this week and just uh, help us to be more like you, Jesus. Help us to um, just cast ourselves aside um, and to just be more like you and to trust you with everything that we have. Um, we love you, Jesus. We thank you um, for your great love for us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael. If people wanted to reach us on social media platforms, where would they reach us? You can find the Beers and Bible podcasts on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcasts. And you can email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you on any and all of those platforms. Um, send us a, a beer suggestion and we can try to hunt it down and give you a shout out on the podcast. Or if you have any questions that uh, you'd like for us to answer, uh, give about anything that we've talked about over the last several weeks or ever, if you have a question that we haven't discussed, uh, we'd love to hear from you about those as well. Yep, yep. Boom. Boom. Well, until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>